And welcome to the True Crime Squad. This is Katie Weaver, and I am live. I'm by myself tonight. <laughs> Christy is still on vacation, having a wonderful time. In fact, she went to a glass blowing place today and blew some glass <laughs> and is just having the time of her life. So, can't wait to hear all about it when she gets home. But for now, it's just little old me. So, there is so much Daybell Vallow news tonight that that's actually pretty much all we're doing, except for one other case that kind of made me chuckle that I'll share with you. Uh, but there's so much happening. So much. I uh, want to welcome the chatters. Hey to Cranky, Paula, Janet, and everyone else filing in. Good to see you guys. Uh, yes, Janet, I'm glad you're back. Hello, Aussie. Glad you're here too. You know, and you may have noticed this week we have been on our fall break. And so this is the only live thing we have this week. But I did post some uh, throwbacks. So the cases that we posted this week, I will tell you. Uh, on Monday, we had a throwback Halloween crime mayhem uh, episode that uh, was live about two years ago. And is full of some really wild cases. So that was the first one that came up. And then yesterday we had a throwback Daybell Vallow case synopsis. We actually posted this a year ago, but not a lot has changed. So I felt like it's still a pretty good uh, update of where we are, you know, minus a few belligerent herd circuses in court, but it's pretty, pretty close. And then an unlocked Patreon episode. This is one of my favorites. Uh, these were two of the weirdest cases we could find. Christy and I presented them to each other. Uh, definitely more on the paranormal side of crime, but we uh, they're two really strange ones. So that's what has come up this week. Uh, lots of good stuff. And yes, you're welcome, Paula. Uh, we realized that Patreon cases have to stay in Patreon for a year and then they can come out live. Some of them never will because we like them behind the paywall where they are because of, uh, you know, litigious people. <laughs> but uh, other than that, uh, you know, occasionally we will unlock a Patreon, which is kind of fun. So, yeah. Oh, Cranky had never seen the Patreon one either. Hey, JR. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's kind of a fun part of Patreon is that we have a lot of kind of you know, in the vault episodes, and we won't release them all. Like I said, sometimes we put things in Patreon on purpose because we may not feel safe putting them out elsewhere. It's, you know, we have to protect ourselves too. But that's what's up. Hey, smiling. So before we hit all of the Daybell Vallow stuff, which is really going to just take the whole show. <laughs> There's something that's happening right now in Atlanta. It's in Virginia Highland area. And somebody is breaking into bars after they close and stealing liquor uh, 
and then taking it back to some kind of an unlicensed speakeasy and serving it for a dollar a shot. Yeah, the bars have just about had it. So, and this, uh, particularly the article I was reading was at a place called Neighbor's Pub. So on January 22nd, or sorry, September 22nd, uh, Neighbor's Pub closed for the night. And a little later, an unmasked thief, I mean, they're pretty brazen, broke in through a window, dashed behind the bar, stuffed nine bottles, mostly of Jack Daniels, in a reusable shopping bag and fled. This is the sixth time this has happened to this bar in recent memory. Like, this is just, this is an ongoing business thing that's happening. And then a few hours later, the same guy broke into a place called Brew House Pub and stole as much tequila as he could get in his bag. So apparently, there is a unknown location, at least so far, uh, where you have to bring your own location, or I'm sorry, you have to bring your own a container. This is a BYOC kind of deal. And they will uh, give you, sell it to you for a dollar a shot. I mean, they can cut rate it. They, uh, you know, didn't pay for it in the first place. So I, <laughs> that's quite the money making scheme right there. I can't imagine they'll be able to keep that up forever. But uh, the article, this is what made me laugh. The article <laughs> said, this is from the tequilaraiders.com uh, website. Self-styled Robin Hood. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay, then. I guess uh, stealing from uh, the rich to give alcohol to the poor. I kind of doubt these bars and pubs are rich, to be fair, but okay. On that note, I have to tell you guys, my son has recently taken a part-time gig as a bouncer at a bar. My God, the stories that are coming out of that place. <laughs> His first night, he had to help escort, well, help because the lady, uh, she'd been kicked out. She tried to break back in. She was like real high on life. And anyway, he watched the police tase her on the sidewalk. He said it was quite the deal. So anyway, <laughs> I'm hearing quite the stories. coming from the bar situation yeah yeah yes all of you guys that are being affected by the storms by the uh, hurricane please 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 be safe of course our thoughts and prayers are with you guys oh i hate saying that oh you know scrub that our love is with you our support is with you let us know if you need help there you go how's that that's better i don't want to say that yeah okay yes <laughs> Colleen said, I almost forgot as I'm, I'm in a bad hurricane watching spiral, right? I know. First, of course, Puerto Rico, and they aren't anywhere near, uh, you know, surviving or, you know, done cleaning up and getting their stuff back online. And now, of course, in the States, it's bad. Yeah. Pretty scary. Yeah, that bar needs enhanced security, right? Like, what the... That's a little too easy to just break a window and hop behind the bar and take whatever you want. That's awful. The thing that cracked me up about that article is because they called him a Robin Hood. 
Hey, Barbara, that's quite the Robin Hood. Yeah, he will see how the freaks come out at night, right? <laughs> oh, I've heard some stories already. You know, my son played college football and is a high school football coach currently. He's a big kid. And, you know, that's why they hire guys like him to bounce because they're big guys. And apparently they had a kid that he said was a whole head, close to a whole foot shorter than him, uh, challenge him the other night. And he said, I just put my whole chest out against him and said, you really want to do this? And the kid's friend said, no, no, he doesn't. No, we don't. And drug him down the sidewalk and left. <laughs> so... I don't know. I don't love this, to be honest, but he needed a part-time gig. His contract ended at his job, so he's in between and figuring it out. So he needed this, but it's not my favorite job for him, for sure. However, the stories that are coming out from it are pretty freaking hilarious. I did have one show and tell. And I know this isn't normally where I do show and tell. I usually do it on the psychic hour, but we don't have a psychic hour this week. So, I'm working, of course, uh, furiously to get all my stuff together for the last witch's market of the year. And I've been making these bottles, so I had to show you. So, they're a cup. They actually have a straw that goes in here that's a bamboo lid. They are glass. And they are double-walled, so they are a snow globe. So you can see if you're watching, not listening. Sorry if you guys are listening. This part sucks for you. Uh, yeah, it's full of glitter. And yeah, that's how they work. That's how they look. Is that not the funnest thing in the world? I made myself one for fall and I can't leave it alone. They are so cute. So that's one, the butterfly one. And then this one. Is a haunted house with all the fun glitter. You can't quite tell, probably in the video, but a lot of some of the glitter is little tiny black bats. They're so cute. Anyway, these will make it to Etsy eventually, but definitely not until the fair's over, because um, I keep selling them before I get them to the fair, and then people are going to come to the fair and be mad because I didn't have them. So, for right now, nowhere. But they will be on Etsy eventually. But are those not the cutest freaking thing in the world? I love it. I know. I can't leave mine alone. Driving my husband crazy. Oh, well. He chose to marry somebody as odd as me. So there you go. Sorry, Scott, for your bad luck. <laughs> All righty. Well, let's talk about it. Holy shit. First thing I want to get to uh, to make sure I don't forget we brought you last week a story about Melanie Pulowski, right? Being charged with computer fraud uh, in relation to her ex-husband's business. The charge was that she had logged into a business bank account that she would, no longer uh, had her name on it and no longer had uh, association to. And then she uh, logged into it to download uh, some screenshots to provide to her attorney so that he could uh, take it to court to try to get her more money. And of course, uh, you know, Brandon's camp wanted to know where the hell she got that. And as it turned out, she'd logged into a bank account that she doesn't own anymore to get it. And so she was charged 
Anyway, those charges were dropped yesterday. So just so you know, and so that I say it publicly, since we did report on this, those charges were dropped. Isn't it interesting? A few weeks ago, it was, uh, of course, Alex, or not Alex, good Lord, Lori's son, who was, uh, of course, uh, charged with sexual assault of his uh, estranged wife. Uh, and then, of course, Colby, of course, Colby Ryan. And then, of course, those were dropped. And now Melanie, and now those are dropped. What's up? I'm not really sure. Yeah. <laughs> Melanie's attorney definitely went to the Mark Means School of Law. Absolutely. Agreed. Yes. <laughs> I, I can't understand it. On one hand, I feel like the police there are like, listen... This family has already made fools of us way too many times. So we're for sure not going to let that happen again. So we're not putting up with anything. I hope that's what they're doing. But then somehow these things keep getting dropped. Right, Paula? What kind of backdoor deals are going on here? It's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Do you think the Colby thing was a publicity stunt for the next Netflix movie? God, I hope not. I hope not. But with this family... Do we put anything past him or did he really do it? I'm guessing he did it. And then she decided she was not going to testify. Does it all have something to do, though, with the Netflix uh, release and perhaps uh, pressure from them? Is Netflix involved in this conversation in some way? We have no idea, but it wouldn't surprise me, right? This was about money. Yeah. My opinion, but. Yeah, so that's what you got to know about Melanie. All right, so yes, Judge Boyce is definitely at the top of the FOS list this week. So we've been discussing this. Uh, of course, Lori's attorneys were very upset at the way Court TV had covered uh, a hearing last month. We all know which one. It was the one when she went in there with the Shih Tzu hair. And acted like a complete lunatic. And the camera was trained right on her face the whole time. And they were pissed off about that. That part I kind of understand. I didn't like the camera placement either. The hard part about it, though, is that Judge Boyce had approved that. The camera placements were approved personally by him. But they didn't like it because it made Lori look terrible. Absolutely terrible. But that's because Lori's looking absolutely terrible. I mean, let's be real. Uh, so they then filed to have no cameras in the courtroom. And then the prosecution came in and said, we agree. We feel like it's getting harder and harder to come up with an unbiased jury and to give her a fair trial. And we think cameras should be banned from the courtroom. Well, Judge Boyce went full send. He didn't just ban audio and video from the courtroom. He banned still photography from the courtroom. Everything. It's raising a lot of eyebrows in the legal world. A lot of the attorneys that have weighed in on this went, mm, mm, mm. not a good look and could bring lawsuits. It will bring lawsuits. It's not good. It's a mess. And we'll see what happens with it. The poor, oh my goodness, the grandparents of JJ and Tylee, the poor Woodcocks, are just so upset about it. They were not 
given an opportunity to weigh in on this at all as victim families and they're horrified. At this point, Larry's not really able to fly. They drove here for the last hearing from Louisiana. Do you know how far that is? It's like 1,800 miles. And they drove. Now, all of these hearings, if they want to see them, they will have to be present and in person. That's the only way. That's a big ask on them, on all of the other family of JJ and Tylee and Tammy that can't just be there in the courtroom every time but want to participate, want to know what's going on, want to see this shit, they can't. And they are horrified. And I really, really feel for the Woodcocks. It's terrible for them. So here's what they said. They made a statement. They said, we are disappointed and distraught in regards to Judge Boyce's decision to not allow court cameras Although we want justice for J.J., Tylee, Charles, and Tammy, we feel he overreacted, indeed. The simple solution is not to televise preliminary hearings in order to not taint a jury pool, yet still allow cameras during the trial. Some of our immediate family, close friends, and supporters from around the globe will not be able to share in this most horrific story. The story speaks from beyond the grave. We want the world to hear the atrocities executed by Lori and Chad Daybell. Absolutely. One of the things that attorneys are saying is that it's very strange. In Judge Boyce's ruling, he quoted Nebraska versus Stewart, which was a case where the Supreme Court actually ended up ruling unanimously in favor of press rights over the decision of the trial judge. And that's exactly where this is going to go. So the finding was that pretrial publicity does not inevitably lead to an unfair trial. And that's exactly where this is going to go. It's a mess. Now I'll say this. This isn't the worst thing for me. It's not the worst thing for this podcast. Because I can go to court. Christy and I... We can drive. It's a 20-minute drive for me. It's a 40-minute drive for her. It's not that big of a deal for us. And we will go to the hearings. And we will sit in the courtroom. And we will take notes. And then we will do lives and tell you guys all about it. It doesn't hurt us that much. Until we get to the big trial, if we ever get to a big trial. Uh, And then I don't know what we'll do. Because that is six weeks in Boise. We'll probably go to some of it probably, except for where are they going to house this that they can possibly house the amount of people that are going to want to be there? Where? Somebody had said they'll have to do it on the blue at Boise State University at the, uh, in the, the, uh, the stadium. I tend to agree. They won't, but by that time, I suspect that this will have made it all the way through the Idaho Supreme Court and will be back in action. He's wrong. He was wrong this time. You know, I have defended Judge Boyce. I have believed in Judge Boyce until the last little while. And he's making some pretty interesting decisions at this point. And I'm not sure what to say about that at this point. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I agree, Janet. The court cameras aren't generating all of the publicity. It's the Lifetime movies, Netflix documentaries, Datelight spe Dateline specials, etc. The cat is out of the bag. Everyone knows about this case. Agreed. Agreed. I, it's, it's silly. It's silly. Why not just say cameras can only be in these spots in the courtroom so that we're not just trained on one defendant's face? How hard is that? Really? How hard is that? Ridiculous. So, but we'll be there, you know, we'll be there as much as humanly possible. We will be there probably sooner than later because there are a whole bunch of new filings. My gosh. Yep. Agreed. Yeah, Colleen, she said, I know it's not, we're not the Woodcocks, but a lot of us have been invested in this for years entirely. And due to the nature of our justice system, the public does have the right to know. This will never stand. It's a flash in the pan. But can we just agree that it's really interesting that John Pryor did not issue any kind of a opinion on this? You know, historically, when we uh, there were conversations about cameras in the courtroom, he was in favor of them. But when this whole conversation came up this time, he didn't say shit. Why, John? Why? Where's your opinion? You just don't have one? So John's doing some interesting things right now. I got to tell you guys, I have just really felt recently like we weren't very far from a Chad plea deal. I still feel like it's Chad that will flip. Lori's too crazy too. She is. It's, there's something up with the whole Chad thing, I think. And I, that is my belief that Chad's going to roll. I don't think we're far from it. I, I think I said this to someone like yesterday. And then today, today, Pryor issued a 60 page motion. Again, asking for the trial to be, the joinder to be severed. And he's now asking for the trial to be postponed and wants it in October of 2023. Pryor now says he needs 12 more months. 12 more months. So in his motions that he filed, well, yesterday, last night, uh, he said the trial should be set or continued due to a substantial amount of investigation and preparation, along with a significant amount of evidence he says he has not received from prosecutors. This is an ongoing issue that both of them say that they, both or defense attorneys have said repeatedly that they're not receiving everything from the prosecution. And the prosecution says, we have given it to you. We've given you five terabytes. What else do you want? And they keep saying, we want to know what you're actually going to use, not these five terabytes of stuff for us to sort through when you may not use all of that. And we want to know what you're really focusing on. And they're like, no, this is what we have in discovery. We're giving it to you, which in essence is the law. There can't be any Brady violations that the prosecution has evidence that they don't turn over, whether they plan on using it or not. It all has to go to the defense. And early on in this trial, Means and Pryor tried to accuse the prosecution of Brady violations. 
And they said, okay, bro, here you go. Here you go. And here's five terabytes. I mean, can you even get your head around how many terabytes is five terabytes? Well, to quote a certain attorney, it is a voluminous amount of information. <laughs> yeah, right. Just assume they will use it all. Sorry for your bad luck that there's a lot. There is a lot. So Pryor said that there is no possible way to complete the investigation and be prepared for a death penalty trial in January 2023. Death penalty cases are unique in the criminal legal system and require counsel to undertake an extensive, time-consuming investigation. Is this because Pryor's trying to do this by himself? That's my personal opinion and my opinion only. He is so unprepared and is trying to do this by himself and is not necessarily qualified to do a death penalty case, but it doesn't matter since he's a private pay. Chad can hire whoever he wants. Pryor just keeps trying to push this back further and further because I th really think he's really, really banking on Chad at some point finally rolling. He's been trying to sever these cases for years. And I wonder if this kind of is coming through as his opening to do so in that right now, if he's simply completely not ready to go to court and says he absolutely can't, I mean, you know, it's the end of September. January's coming. Coming real fast. Uh, and Lori's attorneys say, absolutely not. We are going to court. We wanted the speedy trial. We wanted to go to trial in October. Maybe this is how he gets his sever. And then again, maybe he wants Lori to go first. Maybe he wants all that evidence on the table first so that he can see what direction the prosecution is going to go. And he can see what he needs to focus on. Maybe he really wants them to go first. I mean, he's complained a lot about how unfair it is that the state has unlimited funds, which he does not have. And he does not have, you know, the capital to be able to take on the amount of uh, staff and all of the stuff that uh, he would need to be able to try this the way they're going to try it. But then you look at Lori, who has a public defender, who brought on a secondary public defender, both of which have fairly extensive death penalty experience because they are prepared. They're ready to go. I just think John's not. I think he's not. But I'm just still holding my cards that we're going to see Chad roll. Honestly, at this point, would be the smartest thing he could do in my opinion. Something kind of interesting about the brief that was filed by Pryor, he refers to Lori as Mrs. Vallow throughout the entire brief. Never once does he call her Mrs. Daybell. He calls her Mrs. Vallow. Yep. Interesting, interesting stuff going on right now. We have no idea if he'll get this. He also said, it, Pryor always whines that 
there's just so much for him to do and he has to do this and he has to do that. What, what do I mean by Chad rolling? I still think that Chad will take a plea deal and uh, testify against Lori. I do. I do. I think the thing that's stopping him from doing that right now is that he does not want to plead guilty for the death of Tammy. I think that he is still holding on to any shred of relationship with his kids and his family. And he does not want to admit that he murdered Tammy. And so that's what's preventing him. What if they took Tammy off the table? Or what if he could accept an Alfred plea for Tammy? Or for all of them? I mean, at the very least, he'll be pushing to take the death penalty off the table. And I don't know what all the legal, uh, you know, possibilities and ramifications are. But it's pretty interesting. But yeah, Janet, something's holding him back, right? And at this point, I seriously doubt that it is actual loyalty for Lori. He's only known Lori for a minute, you know. He's only known Lori for a few years and two of those now he's been in prison or in jail because of her and him and Alex and all of their nonsense. But why isn't he? Lori's not going to. She's not capable of it. We're not going to see that. But Chad is. And he has sat in jail eating Hot Pockets for two years now thinking about all of this. I really think it all comes back to Tammy that he just really, really doesn't want to have to admit to that one again because I feel like he just cannot do it to his kids uh, and to the bit of hope that they have but remember when his kids did that interview on TV you guys remember what did they say they said that their dad was set up that he didn't do any of these things that he was set up by evil people you can only assume that the evil people that they are referring to are Lori and Alex. He was framed, right, Janet? That's what they said. Well, if he was framed, and if there's any truth to, not truth, but if there's any uh, reasoning to that conversation, is that the defense? Is that the strategy that John Pryor is trying to pull together? Is that in some way, Chad had no idea that that's what these fools were up to? And he was just an innocent bystander the whole time? Because if he was framed, then his kids will still support him. They will still come see him. They can't come see him right now, but they can still do telemate. They can still send him you know, put money on his books, they can still write him letters, and they would still do those things. But if he pleads guilty to murdering their mother, that's all over. Probably. Maybe not. His one daughter may still uh, support him. She's been his biggest supporter all the while. But, uh, why? Why else? You know? Why hasn't he pled yet? Maybe ego? Maybe ego? Yes, Janet. She said, I have a feeling they're going to, Pryor's going to try to put all of this on Alex. And that's why he wanted the DNA testing. Surely they're going to find some of Alex's DNA. 
No one has been charged with Alex's death. Alex was ruled a natural death. Um, there was still kind of a door open for investigation there, but I don't really think that'll ever go anywhere. They're going to get their pound of flesh from Chad and Lori in this court, and that'll be it. You know, I don't think that Arizona will ever follow through with the charges that they're proposing for Lori in Charles's death, though I really wish they would. She deserves, deserves to be tried for that. But once she is sentenced to a lifetime in prison here in Idaho, if she is, let's assume she is, uh, or even the death penalty, Arizona's not going to come in for their pound of flesh. They're going to just let Idaho take care of her. So that's where that, that sits. Anyway, it's a lengthy and interesting conversation about Chad and what in the hell's going on with him. So we don't really know. But the last one of the things Pryor said was pushing this case to trial prematurely will heighten the already very significant risk of reversal that is characteristic in death penalty cases. Is that a threat? Noting death penalty cases and appeals cost taxpayers millions of dollars. Oh, honey, Idaho only cares about that. Well, they don't actually. They say they do. They don't. Don't worry. In order to conserve resources, as well as preserve Mr. Daybell's constitutional rights and integrity of these capital proceedings, Mr. Daybell respectfully requests this court vacate the current trial date. What do you think Lori's attorneys are thinking today in seeing that? Also, he said in the motion to sever, again, he said, that Chad being tried with Lori would deprive his client of his constitutional right to present a complete defense. Because again, he's trying to throw Lori under the bus without throwing Lori under the bus, right? Pryor said he plans to introduce prior bad acts of both Mrs. Fallow and Alex Cox, as well as evidence regarding their relationship and the death of Mr. Cox. What does that mean? That's pretty interesting, don't you think? Additionally, he said, while the court may continue Ms. Vallow's trial date, despite her asserted speedy trial right, severance is the most direct approach to enforce the constitutional rights of both Mr. Daybell and Mrs. Vallow and the most sensible approach due to the irreconcilable conflicts which will arise in a joint trial of both death-noticed co-defendants. Hear that again irreconcilable conflicts which will arise in a joint trial of both death-noticed co-defendants. I mean, he's telling us. He's going to try to use Lori against Chad. Very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, it would be interesting to know what Lori thinks about that. I'm just really interested to know what her attorneys think about that. Because, uh, They've held the line that uh, they don't want to wait. They want to get this up, done and see it through. So will they get their sever? Will he get his sever? I'm banking that he does. I'm banking that he does. Why? Well, Lori wanted her constitutional right to 
a speedy trial. The judge violated that already by saying, because it should have been in October. And the judge said, nah, no, we're going to wait until January. That was a violation of her constitutional rights already. He's not going to put that off another year. He's not. So either he's going to flatly say to Mr. Pryor, too bad, you've already had two and a half years to be prepared for this. We're going. Or he's going to say, okay, fine, you can have that time and we're going to sever. I still think Lori's trial will be scheduled for January unless her attorneys ask for something else. It will be on them. It's getting really interesting. Yeah. Uh, Dee said, I cannot help but feel bad for Tammy's kids. I hope Chad burns in hell. I do believe his relationship will be over with his kids if he admits guilt. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it is ironic, Janet, for them to be trying to avoid death. I mean, aren't they gods and stuff? So what up, right? If Chad and Lori really believed what they say they believe, if they really were drinking their own Kool-Aid fully, I would think they would embrace death. I would. I would think that they would be ready to get the hell out of here since uh, their plot on earth to uh, assist with the second coming of Christ and the 144,000 was uh, botched, why wouldn't they just want to get out of here? Maybe they would convince themselves that, you know, Christ was waiting on the other side with open arms so that he could come and help them from that angle. Just from typical Mormonese type speak, that seems legit to me. That that may be the kind of reasoning they would have, but they don't. Why? Did they not drink their own Kool-Aid? Do they not believe their own hype? Were they actually just a couple of horny, money-hungry idiots? That turned into monsters? Because of the influence of each other? Right, Cranky. How could Chad not know about the kids when Tylee was burned there? Yeah, and both buried in his damn yard. Yeah. I know. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. It is. It's getting wild, though. It's getting really wild. Yep. Anyway, pretty interesting. So, with that being said... I hope I'm not going to miss anything. There's just so much to talk about. So, okay, we've talked about the video and cameras being banned. Uh, today, or yesterday, Monday, it's all bleeding together. On Monday, Lori's camp filed a motion to prevent death qualification of jury. That was a new one to me. So I did a little research, and I'll tell you what I came up with on that. So there is a process in vetting a jury to call them a death penalty qualified jury. And to call them a death penalty qualified jury, according to the Cornell University of Law School, a death qualified jury is a jury pronounced fit to decide a capital case. Death qualified juries are composed of jurors who are not strictly opposed to capital punishment, but who do also not believe 
that the death penalty should be imposed in all cases of capital murder. While the death qualification process is designed to produce a fair and impartial jury, social science research suggests that it instead produces a jury that is biased against a capital defendant. So in other words, hammering on, asking a lot of questions from jurors as they are seating the jurors about their thoughts on the death penalty is actually pulling people more to the surface who would gladly hand out the death penalty. So I'm assuming that's why they have filed to prevent death qualification of the jury. Now, this wasn't prior, of course. This was uh, Lori's camp. This was Archibald. So they don't want a death, uh, death penalty qualified jury. Why? Well, remember, these two have had death penalty cases before. They know what they're doing. Clearly, they kind of side with the, the social science findings here that maybe uh, that qualification process isn't that helpful and they don't want to have it. Interesting. Because if the cases proceed together and if the joinder doesn't happen, this would affect Chad just as much as it affects Lori. And what if Pryor does want a death penalty qualified jury? Isn't that interesting? So what do you think their thought process is? I'm guessing that it goes right along those lines, that it just, yeah, Colleen, because it puts that idea in their heads before the trial starts. Yeah. Interesting. Really, really interesting. So that's kind of, that's where things sit right now. Now, on the 13th of October, Lori Hellis, Lori, who also uh, is a true crime podcaster and a former attorney who has filed for uh, asking Judge Boyce to unseal all of the sealed documents in this case, of course, the first thing he did was send her back a very condescending uh, ruling or a decision on that that uh, did not satisfy. And now she has an in-person hearing with him on October 13th. We will attempt to attend that. We're hoping that it's uh, open to the, the public. Uh, we'll see. Uh, if it is, Christy and I will attend that in support of Lori. Uh, it's huge of her and very brave of her to be filing these things and to be coming here and be pulling this off. It's amazing. So, so long as the public is allowed, we will attend court uh, in support of her and also to report on what happens. As far as I can see right now, that is the next scheduled thing in court. Looking at the register of actions for both of them, like I said, there have been several motions. Uh, there was one other motion that was filed just uh, today, too, in Chad's case. They've motioned for a bill of particulars. I don't know what a bill of particulars is. They also motioned to appear in street clothes. Remember Lori had that last time? And the judge was like, yeah, we've already been allowing that. Well, apparently uh, you're supposed to actually have a decision for the judge on that. Okay, a bill of particulars, sorry, a bill of particulars. A party has to explain the allegations in his or her complaint or petition in more detail. 
So they're asking for more details on exactly what Chad is charged with. Uh, interesting that they're just barely asking for that and that Pryor is asking for that. Uh, because as you know, one of the things that was in court recently was that Lori's camp was asking the judge to take their charges back to the grand jury for clarification because they didn't like how some of it was written and claimed that it was confusing. <laughs> Rob Wood pointed out to the prosecutor that uh, he felt like there was really literally no one confused except for Lori's attorney. <laughs> it was a little shady. I was here for it. Mm -hmm. But after all this time, Pryor had never filed for that. He'd never asked for that. And he loves to be persnickety. So now I think he's looking at it going, oh, well, maybe I should get some clarification too. So rather than asking to send it back to the grand jury, he's filed for a bill of particulars. So I believe that's what's going on uh, or what that, what that jazz is all about. So these are the things this week that have been uh, filed in Chad's uh, there's a few things. Let's start on the 15th. So on the 15th of September, email to Idaho Supreme Ju Court Justice, additional recipients and the court, dated September 3rd. That was filed. We haven't seen that. That was sealed, I think. Also on that date, attached Word document to letter to Justice Gregory W. Muller. Greg Muller is uh, a former magistrate here in uh our area, who I believe now is, uh, he's a, in a higher court now, uh, dated September 2nd, 2022. And then on the same date, a letter sent to the court, in parentheses, it says reacted. I'm guessing that meant redacted. Then on 923, order. On 923, order. But the, uh, Repository doesn't say exactly what that order is. Then on 927, of course, uh, Pryor followed or filed the motion to continue. On 927, the motion to sever. On 928, the motion for bill of particulars. On 928, motion to appear in street clothes. You know, here's the thing for Pryor. He's a one-man show. He can't only be doing Chad. He's certainly got bills to pay. And Chad's case is basically a full-time job. But we're still kind of unclear on how Pryor's getting paid or if this still just has to do with holding the deed to Chad's house. It's all very murky. But he probably has a lot of other cases going on at the same time because, well, dude's got to make his own pay rent, right? He's got to pay his own bills. He's in a pretty interesting position, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Rompahedral said if they get life without parole, they won't be so protected in Gen Pop versus a very protected uh, death row. That's probably true. But as Idaho has not a put a woman to death. Almost at all, but hasn't put a woman to death in decades. And if Lori and Chad do get the death penalty, they will sit on death row in Idaho for decades at the rate we're going. So huh, we'll see. All right. Now for Lori. 
because she's had so many filings, right? So, of course, on 9-15, there was the motion hearing that we were here for. Also, the same letters to the Supreme Court. And again, this was all sealed, so we don't know what this was about. We think this was still trying to get Chad removed or uh, the prosecutor removed. We're not sure. We may never know. Maybe Lori Hellis will be victorious. I really doubt it at this point, but I'm holding a lot of space for her. Then, of course, uh, on 923, the decision and order prohibiting video and photographic coverage. Then on 926, the motion to prevent qualification of jury. And that's where we are on Lori. So there's nothing scheduled right now for court, except, of course, uh, for Lori Hellis, which we will be there for. Hey, Karen. So that's pretty much what's up right now. Do you think people who followed Chad to Rexburg could be kicking in money to Mr. Pryor? I doubt it. I really doubt it. No, Pryor's not living in Chad's house. Uh, Looks to me like his daughter's still living there. We drove past there a couple of days ago. It looks to me like uh, nothing has changed there. We'd heard a rumor that they were moving to Utah, but it doesn't look like to me like that's the case at all. But there was a sign down the road for a yard sale. And I told my husband, oh, dear God, please don't tell me there's a yard sale at Chad Daybell's house. Uh, there wasn't. <laughs> like, well, should if there is, should we stop? We shouldn't stop, should we? No, we should. No. Yes, no. It was an easy decision. It wasn't there. <laughs> I don't know. The thought of that, uh, no. I don't know. Probably stop and spend every, you know, bit of cash you had in your pocket for some murderabilia down the road. But no, terrible. No, no, no. Not happening. Yeah, Colleen, just a joke. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know... One of the questions I have about Judge Boyce's ruling is this. If they're not televising the hearings, are they still going to do them via Zoom? Or will everything have to be in person from here on out? I mean, they could Zoom them without making them public, but will they? Or is that all going to have to be here? I don't know if it makes a difference or if it doesn't, but it's a question that I have. Yeah. <laughs> Janet said, uh, manuscript, can you imagine what they'd be selling? Manuscripts, pictures of Jesus, survival kits, <laughs> survival kits, food storage. Also lots and lots of food storage. Yep. That's what it would be. Oh, good Lord. Isn't that terrible? What would they, what are they going to do with that property? You guys. What? And is his daughter just going to live in it forever? I mean, at some point, the piper has to be paid. But who the hell is going to buy that? Who? It's horrific. I can't even imagine. Three people murdered, maybe there. Some of them there. Disposed of there. Who's going to buy that property? I can't imagine (laughs) Cheap porters, portals for sale at Chad's. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. 
So here's how I think his daughter can live there, Cranky. It's a two-acre piece of property. And the house and the yard, and then there's a driveway, and then there's that little outbuilding that has been, you know, the question of, uh, in fact, that's the spot where uh, when the FBI came back uh, a couple weeks after the initial investigation and spent some time, that's where they were. That's all kind of on the other side of the property. It's so you've got the yard, the driveway, the garage, and a little fenced in corner lot of yard <clears throat> where I'm guessing they spend all of their time. This place where the kids were buried is more like a little pasture. It's just an open field. And I would imagine they never go out there. They probably just stay on that side of the property and they just have a wall up in their, you know, a mental wall. That's what I think. Yeah. Yep. Do you think the transcripts will come out daily? The court transcripts, Colleen? I just don't have any idea. I doubt it. They should, but... I don't know. Yeah, compartmentalizing at its finest. That's all I can imagine is, is how. I mean, this is not so applicable, but I live across the street from where my parents lived and my grandma. Their two houses were across the street from my house. And after grandma died and we sold her house uh, to a really sweet little old lady that looked a lot like her and was her same age and was just kind of having a new grandma over there and it was fine but after my parents died and they both died in their house in their bedroom in their bed uh i didn't want to live here anymore i did not want to have to look at that house every day and remember all of the things that happened there and then we sold it to some people that uh i think i wouldn't have liked anyone we sold it to i think i just didn't because of the whole situation you know uh, but then I still don't like them and it's been like eight years and <laughs> they're actually very nice and they've been nothing but nice to me, but I'm just not going to be their friend and it's not their fault, but I just can't. And so for quite a while I went, I can't stay living here. I cannot look at that house every day, but over time, my energy around that house really shifted to not to cancer and caregiving and death, but just to the kindness and, and the happiness and all of the amazing and fun times we had in that house. And that's how I could live across the street from that house. Now, granted, my parents both died of cancer. It's a very different situation than someone being murdered there or three people being murdered there. But I'm guessing that's where Emma's at. Good memories of her mother. She had said before in that one interview, she said that living here helps her to feel close to her mom. I mean, for whatever people do think or don't think about Emma, her mother died. And they were close. And that is the most, one of the most gut-wrenching things you'll ever go through. And so, and then on top of it, she never really had a chance to grieve her mom because of all of Chad's bullshit and nonsense that immediately started. I think she's just doing the best she can. You know, and people don't like her and they don't like the stuff she's said and done. And I understand that. But at the same time, grieving people, they do things that don't make sense. And I think that's Emma in a nutshell. You know, I'm so sad for her and for all of them. I don't 
particularly like some of the stuff that she has said or done. And I really, frankly, don't like her husband much. But again, this girl's been through hell. Hell. How would you react? How would I react? We don't know. We haven't had to be there. Thank God we haven't had to be there. But we don't know. <clears throat> Still, though, uh, the choice to live in the house is a very hard one to understand. I agree. No, the fire pit's not close to the house. It's clear on the other side of the property. Yeah. Yeah, clear on the other side. Um, in our very early videos about this case, I mean, it's a long ways back, two and a half years back, uh, when they found the kids. So two years and what, four months? The day they found the kids, or a couple days after, I took a video of the whole property so that you could see, like, the house is clear up here, and then you have the driveway, and then you have the little shop thing, and then you have the whole, uh, you know, the whole pasture area where the fire pit is, the uh, animal or grave, uh, you know, pet cemetery is. That's where it's at. It will be divided into Daybell subdivision. Whew. I can't imagine. I mean, it's back there that Chad tried to put a mobile home, right? Who do you suppose was going to live in that mobile home? Guess it was Emma. Yeah. Yep. Awful. Yep. For sure. Yeah, Scott Reich said court transcripts cost three to five cents per page. With about 15 lines per page, that could be very, very expensive. Yeah. Honestly, when we get to that point, we may have to crowdfund for it. There's another uh, true crimer called The Docket on Twitter. And they, uh, that's what they do. They uh, crowdfund to get, uh, you know, transcripts and things of cases that are of interest. I'm hoping that they do that and we can just elevate what they are doing so that we can all be able to have a peek at this. Uh, that's what I'm hoping will happen. And if that's what they do, we'll certainly just elevate what they're doing. We'll all, uh, oh, three to five dollars per page, not cents. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, we may just have to, uh, yeah, we might all have to pitch in on it. I'm, I'm suspecting that's where we're going to go. But I mean, consider that, you know, if one person is in charge of it and the docket does this frequently, so I would totally trust them to do it and do a good job uh, and be, you know, fair about it, then maybe it would be worth it. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But that's that's where my thought process has gone on that. Rambahedral, thanks for bringing that up. It is crazy expensive. So wrongfully expensive. We had... Uh, recently requested the transcripts uh, of our grandfather's legal troubles. And uh, uh, he was a sex offender. He was a pedophile. And we really wanted, we were children when it all happened and he went to prison. And uh, we wanted to access those things and read them for ourselves because we were just kids when it happened. And we were really sheltered from it. Like our mom didn't want us to have anything to do with it for good reason. She was just protecting us, you know, but uh, yeah, so it took a little time, but Christy did the legwork uh, with Teton County here in Idaho and they produced um, the court transcripts, but apparently there was a cassette recorded interview with him that was 
respond or that was uh, referred to a lot in his trial. And we asked for that and they have been unable to uh, provide us with that, which is kind of a bummer. But at any rate, yeah, I agree, Colleen. If the court is closed, it should be free. We shouldn't have to pay a damn dime for it. Uh, Aussie said, won't there be just audio available? They do record it. We don't know. Honestly, I still, if this ever all gets to trial, and again, I'm still kind of on the fence on it, though things are looking awfully interesting. I think that uh, by that time, well, maybe, I see, here's the thing. I mean, Pryor's really throwing a wrench in shit, right? Because, <laughs> as usual, thanks a lot, John. Uh, because if he gets his sever, and Chad's trial is postponed for yet another year, they are definitely going to try to uh, keep that from being televised because, again, how the hell are they going to put together a fair trial jury? How? I can't imagine. Yep. How can they justify charging people for their own property? It's the public's property. Agreed, Aussie. Agreed. I know. Stupid. Uh, D. Hutchinson said, I took my ex back to court and one motion with one line cost me $50. Yeah. Yeah. But I agree. I think I agree with you entirely, KT. Yep. I think John is trying to see exactly what the uh, prosecution is going to pull out so that he knows how to prepare a defense because he's just floundering at this point. Yep. Yeah, I know. I I can't imagine how they're going to find an impartial jury. I at this point, they're just going to have to find people that are uh, completely unbiased. You know? And how will they? I just don't know. Paula said she thinks that Nate Eaton said that audio recordings will be allowed, but only through the court's official microphones. Okay. Interesting. Well, hopefully that's true and that those will be open to the public. Microphones was one of the things that Lori's camp was very concerned with because of that video that was on Lori's face. They felt like any conversations she had with her attorneys that uh, should be privileged, that maybe people would be able to pick up on those because they were talking. So hopefully that's true. Yeah, thank you, Paula. Hopefully that's true. That will be something. So there you have it. Uh, I know this is case updates night, but uh, it was mostly Dave Belvallo <laughs> tonight, but for good reason. Crazy stuff. So we will be back next week with our regular schedule. So I appreciate you guys rolling with us on our fall break. It's been kind of nice to have a good uh, week where I've been able to, uh, yeah, just get a lot of stuff done. Also pull up some old uh, cases that deserve to see the light of day again. It's good stuff. Yeah. All righty. Well, you guys take care. Please go do something good for yourselves. You know you deserve it. <laughs> this has been yet another production of the True Crime Squad. Take care.